Welcome to Career Tools. This week, Delegating to the Floor, Part 1. Here we go. Folks, you've heard us talk about DISC. We mention it once a month, perhaps twice a month. If you haven't taken the DISC instrument, we encourage you to do it. It will blow you away with its accuracy. And if you listen to our cast related to it, you'll discover that it will make you more effective working with everybody, even those people who are like you. So, check it out. So, Wendy, uh, delegating to the floor, part of the delegation cascade. We we did this cast years ago from the manager's perspective, how to help uh, a direct and individual contributor figure out what work doesn't need to get done, uh, even though everybody's always saying everything needs to get done uh, because they're fearful. We tell managers to keep delegating until they're it's all the way down, and we ask managers to give their directs, their individual contributors, air cover uh, for the things that don't get done so that the individual contributor doesn't uh, get in trouble for uh, unilaterally deciding to get rid of something he or she does. But you don't have to be a manager to get the benefits, and you have to be willing to take a little bit of risk, but there's a right way to do it. Uh, yeah. And you need to be smart about what you do and don't delegate, obviously. <laughs> Let's not decide what you're going to get in trouble for. Yeah, that's a good point. I say that, and I think for probably 80% of the audience, uh, deciding what you're going to get in trouble for um, is a, a scary thought, and they dismiss it out of hand, and yet if they reflect on it, they'll realize, well, they do that all the time. Mm-hmm. They decide what they don't want to get in trouble for, and so they do that first. And then there's a bunch of stuff that they don't get done because according to everybody we talk to, they're all so busy. There's always work not getting done. Nobody ever tells us, I get all my work done every day. So therefore, you're making a decision every day about what you're willing to get in trouble for. If you answer truthfully, did you get that done today? And you didn't, you'd have to answer, no, I didn't. And you run the risk of being in trouble. And people do that all the time. But nobody seems to like the phrase, decide what you're going to get in trouble for. (laughs) It's, it's fine as long as it's unconscious, and the moment you make it conscious, it's like, oh, that's scary. Yeah. So what are we going to do? Uh, first of all, we're going to analyze the work, yeah, the work sense. you're doing. It makes sense. Uh, then we're going to choose what to delegate to the floor, review the list with your boss, and how to deal with pushback. Good. Okay. So let's talk about analyzing. This is going to be hard, I assume, to cover for hundreds of thousands of people simply because all their work is different. But let's make it easier on them by making it more obvious that there probably ought to be something they should delegate to the floor. So why would they want to? What's the rationale? So most of us say, I'm too busy. Nearly everybody says, I'm too busy. By the way, you should stop saying that because Uh, if you say I'm too busy a lot, your brain thinks you are too busy and it makes you stressed. Whereas if you say I have everything under control, it believes you. And hardly any of us go home at the end of the day thinking, okay, I did everything. There's some jobs, you know, like call center, you, you can only take so many calls. And when it's the end of your shift, you go home and you forget about it. But there aren't that many of those kind of jobs where you leave everything at the end of the day. Most of us still have paper on our desks or emails or projects that are halfway done that we know we're leaving. And most of us have things that we'd like to do, things where we think it'd be really interesting to try that 
project or right. it would be great if we could re-alphabetize the folders and then and then we'd be able to find things easily but you never have the time to make the investment in the things that will make you more efficient or the time to experiment with things that may or may not come off and then there's a lot of us who want to be promoted and if we want to be promoted then we have to do as as if you've listened to the other cast 150 percent of our uh, 50% of our boss's job and 100% of ours. And if you want to find time for another 50% of your, your, you know, to do 50% of your boss's job, you know, that time's going to come from somewhere. And there's only so much more efficient you can be. There's a limit to the, the efficiency and the productivity you can bring out of yourself. So delegating the, to the floor, not doing unimportant things is one way of finding that time. I have a, um, an additional idea about I'm so busy. There are two ways to say I'm swamped or I'm busy. One is the way 99% of people say it. Um, there, there's a word for this. I can't remember what it is where you, you're bragging and complaining at the same time. Humble brag. Humble brag. Well, that's like for Twitter and stuff like that. And I mm-hmm. think, um, I, I don't know that it's that. In other words, I say, oh, I'm so busy. And you're essentially saying I'm important. They, they fill me up with work. But at some point, it's a bit like saying, you know, I'm human. Well, yeah, that's true for everybody. Or like the kids at MBA schools that I talk to who say, well, they should hire me because I have an MBA from this school. I said, yeah, but you'll be interviewing against other kids from this school. So that really isn't a discriminator. Um, so the, the I'm so busy actually doesn't mean you're busy. It means you're saying I'm busier than usual or I'm busier than you which most people don't believe. But the the second thing is, you say it as if you don't like it. It's a complaint. Mm-hmm. The other way to do it is to say, I'm swamped and it's really interesting, or uh, I'm, I am working on the neatest project and I am staying fully busy, or I am working on something really cool. Now, if you're not working on something really cool, I'm not suggesting you lie. I'm just suggesting you change it to be, I'm busy in a good way. Uh, um, I'm working on the right stuff or whatever. You change your tone. And the point of this is, if you walk around telling yourself you're busy, not only does it stress you, um, but I actually think it's a defense mechanism. And as, as we've talked many, many times before, you keep telling your boss, sending message to your boss that you're too busy and you can't take any more because you're putting out this complaint braggy kind of defense mechanism. Maybe he or she won't give you anything more. And is this the job you want to stay in? That's what's funny to me is people talk aspirationally about the next job or their career or their future, but then they make it seem like some fantastical thing that'll never happen because I'm so so far down in the weeds that, that there's no way I'll ever get out of them. And they imply that there's no thinking for them about what might be next and how they might be getting there and so on. Um, and I think a little bit more strategic thinking about it means you got to be careful about how you say it, if you say it at all. Yeah, there's definitely some messages, not only for yourself, but yeah. for the people around you exactly. that you're giving, that you're not necessarily, yeah, you're, you're thinking it's saying I'm important, but it's not necessarily yeah. saying, it might be saying I can't cope, which is not the message you want to yeah. be sending. If somebody says, how's work? You say, well, things are good. And yeah. rather than saying I'm totally swamped. Absolutely. Okay. 
we're not going to say just don't do parts of your job. Like we're not just going to say, okay, yeah, just randomly pick some things and just don't do them. We're right. going to try and be a bit more sophisticated than that. And we're not saying don't do something and then have extra long lunches or leave early or come in late. We're doing this as a method of increasing the average importance of the things that you're doing. Yeah. So so by eliminating the things that are less important, we're going to concentrate on the more important things in the same amount of time that you've been working. So there's no, the, we're not doing this so we can slack off. Yeah. And, you know, I'll just make a, another brief aside. I'm going to get out of the way, guys, I promise. But we probably ought to do a cast about efficiency, about the 10 things we've said over the years that will make you more efficient that didn't make it into casts specifically so that you could essentially take the two hours of the day that you're doing nothing important and compress it to a half an hour simply because the quality that you get out of those work uh, processes or efforts is not appreciably different whether you spend a half an hour or two hours and you get back an hour and a half to spend more on the important things or to do something completely new. And one of those is email, guys. Mm -hmm. You're spending way too much time on email. You need to listen to our cast called Got Email. And you need to wrestle email into a limited amount of time and stop doing email throughout the day. If you're like the vast majority of people I see at work, based on your behavior, you come out of a meeting, you come, you, you step away from something, and you immediately go to your desk, log into your computer, and check mail. Um, it is the biggest cancer in workplace productivity um, in, in present day. Email's important. Email's valuable. Email's great. It allows for asynchronous communication. And it has to be managed into its own time slot rather than simply spreading it out throughout the day. That's part of the reason why you're so busy. I totally fell into that this morning. I went to go and get the sound card that we record these right. casts onto, went into my office, and there was an email on the screen. And then I sat down, and like 20 minutes later, I thought, oh, I need to get ready for the recording. I need to go into the other room for the recording. I went, oh, my gosh, I was trying to find that sound card. And then I didn't know where it was. And yep. I was panicking. But it was that one email from, from Maggie. And I was like, oh, I can just dash that off. And then I got completely sucked in. So happens to everybody. Yeah. But we okay. fight it. Yes, we fight it. We fight the good fight. Okay. <laughs> So for a week or two, we're going to write down everything that you do from the reports to you that you create, the statuses you update, the calls you take and make, the emails you send and receive, not every single one, but, you know, kind of by subject or by person or, you know, the type, um, the decisions you make, the meetings you go to, everything that sort of in groups, not necessarily every single task, or you might want to write every single task and then group them later. We want to kind of get a picture of if you've seen the delegation box, it has five big balls and 15, 15 small, small balls. balls, and you want to get an idea of what your big balls and what your small balls are. And if you want, folks, you don't have to write down the emails because your computer will hold them very nicely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you can go back through and simply do an analysis. If you want to pair this with the Drucker time analysis, we did a podcast about that in Manager Tools, uh, I think in the last six months or so, uh, and we mentioned it previously when we had casts on time and productivity management. Of course, we did call it time management, even though time management is silly because nobody manages time. But yeah, that's one way to do it. I do this periodically as part of my Drucker time management. And guys, I will tell you, 
even though I do it and I know I'm doing it to set an example, it's still an enormous tendency to be somewhat inaccurate to fib because you'll realize, gosh, I'm just not really very efficient at all. I feel very inefficient every time I do one, and it's a good motivator to say, wow, I need to wrestle this into less time. And every time I wrestle anything I do into less time, even podcast writing, I get no appreciable decline in quality, and I get back more time. So encourage you to listen to those casts. So we're going to take an example. We're going to imagine that you work in a project management office and that you're a PMO, okay. a PMO and your title is PMO manager, but actually there's only you. So you're managing the PMO office, not actually managing people. And so your list, I want to read it quickly, but if you've got the show notes, you can read it more slowly. Um, your list might look something like this. Uh, emails on project X, uh, reference the siding quality requirements, a team meeting, your O3, reporting on project status, Project X weekly meeting, sending notes to your manager about the Project X weekly meeting, mailing hard copy confirmations on the siding quality requirements, compiling the project kickoff meetings for Project Y, hand delivering those materials, helping resolve issues with payments for Project Z, ordering refreshments for the project kickoff meeting, resolving an issue uh, for a project manager with library materials for a previous project, compiling cost reports from purchase orders, shelving some project materials in the library, and uh, completing a status report for one of the project managers. <laughs> That's pretty fast. I, I tell you, I, I'm thinking it would be really good to be a licensee right now. <laughs> yeah, you have to read, read them the slowly. show notes. Yeah, read, read them slowly. Yeah, good. And, and by the way, guys, it doesn't matter what you get on your list. It really doesn't. Don't don't think that you're the, the subtle problem here is is comparing your list to what you think you should be doing and then fudging the list. You might as well be accurate. The vast majority of you don't have a boss overseeing you uh, to the micromanagement level, and they don't know everything you're doing, um, and you're not required to report on everything you're doing. And so you might as well find out. You don't have to share this with anybody. If you want to get more effective, you've got to be willing to look in the mirror and, and, and not distort it and fib to yourself in order to make yourself feel better about what you've been doing. Because the better you feel about what you're doing, the less motivated you'll be to change it. Yeah, that's true. I've not thought of that before. Okay, so now you've got your list. We're going to choose what to delegate to the floor. So we'll start by assuming that you're going to delegate everything. I found that when I look at the list, I immediately say, well, I can't get rid of that. And I can't get rid of that. And I can't really do that. And some of them are the things that I actually can't get rid of. And some of the things are things that I don't want to get rid of because they're fun or they're easy or they make me feel good in some way. So it's easier to start from nothing. And then you don't let your brain get in the way and make decisions that you're not consciously making and making them unconsciously. Yeah. Okay. So the first step is to add back in what's mandatory. So you can't actually not go to your manager's team meeting, usually. You can't actually not go to your O3, your one-on-one, -on -one, or whatever your manager calls that, if you're having them. Right. It's frowned upon to not go. So, um, And then I've grouped the tasks and, and given a bunch of questions about, okay, these are the questions I would ask myself if I had that list about whether I actually had to do a task or whether it could either be done differently or I could just delegate it to the floor and let it not happen. 
So for example, we took, um, but one of the things on the list is going to the Project X weekly meeting. So do you actually have to go to a meeting or can you send a report? Is the meeting even necessary? Do you need to send notes afterwards to your manager? Are they posted somewhere so he could go read them if he wanted to? Should they be posted instead of being sent around by email so that everybody who needs them has access to them later? But there's some things there that questioning whether or not you actually have to be present and then the results of that meeting whether they have to be done or whether they can be done differently so that you don't have to spend the time doing them and you could do something important this is just questioning the status quo of how things are done and trying to be creative in order to get back time or to be more effective by working on things that are more viable or more efficient by spending less time on this. We're not suggesting you shouldn't go to these meetings. In fact, for some of you, you'll make that choice simply because you don't like going to meetings. Whereas others, those who are more outgoing and people focused will say, no, I definitely want to go to meetings. I want to expand my network. And that's a meeting that I could not go to, but there's benefits associated with it. Mm -hmm. And then I would tell you, okay, fine. You want to go to that meeting. That's great. But by gosh, you better come back from that meeting with information about somebody and start developing a relationship that you can stay in touch with them so that you have a beachhead over in that department that you really want to go to work in someday. I would say that in doing this analysis, I think there's only one thing on your list, Wendy, that says email, um, which is emails on one particular thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, I want to go back to my comment about email and say, <laughs> there's all kinds of ways you can be more efficient about email, but okay, we've got more on the list, right? Yeah. So. Uh, there was another, there was a kickoff meeting for Project Y on my list. And again, it might be that you have to be there, but if you if you don't ask yourself consciously, do I have to be there? Do, could they do it without me? You'll just continue to keep turning up and having no time. Um, do you actually need to order the refreshments? Could people bring their own? And yeah. how long is this meeting? Does it have to be that long? Could you cut down the agenda? Is there stuff that could be done outside of the meeting? Yeah, we, we do this all the time with our conferences. We try, I try not to give too many examples from our operations. We don't teach what we do. We do what we teach. But we asked ourselves, do we really need printed name badges for everybody? And we decided no, and it took several hours. Do we need to print name tents? No, people are pretty comfortable printing their own name tents. It's become a standard uh, at our conferences. So we saved six or seven hours. Um, and we didn't ask. We just did it, and then we said, we're going to pay attention to what happens. So in some of these cases, some of these things, what you do is you don't do it, and you find out whether or not there's any risk. And when the result of you doing something is nothing happens, your fear could be categorized as the old joke about the acronym, false expectations appearing real. And so you realize gee, I was fearful that if I didn't do that, I'd get in trouble, but it appears I'm not getting in trouble. Let's not do it. Now, there are some things that you can talk yourself into and say, well, my boss might miss it the first time, but sooner or later, he's going to tell me I got to go. Okay, fine. But there are also some things you're going to discover that nobody really cares about. You're in a delegated floor and because nobody cares about it or because it doesn't add any value or because nobody's willing to defend it, you're not going to have to do it. And there's so many more of those things than you think there is. Yeah. I mean, does the project manager you mentioned in your list, does he really need a status report? Um, Who reads it? You know, write it on Wednesday before the deadline and don't send it. 
Simbru saying, oh my gosh, this is a risk. Yes, we're suggesting you take a slight risk. All change is risk. All new behavior is risk. Now, there are some of you, the high seas, who say, no, 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 if I plan it enough, then I've examined every possible angle and I know that this is not risky. It's actually better. No one can predict the future. There are always unintended consequences of everything you do, and there is no amount of planning which guarantees the exact outcome you expect. If that were the case, then there wouldn't be the classic law of unintended consequences. So, <laughs> so you have to be willing to try it. You might get slightly singed, but you'll find out that on 40 or 50% of the things you do, there will be no negative impacts and there will be positive impact. And there's nothing wrong with immediately going, you're right, sorry, missed that one. And heck, if yeah. somebody calls you on Thursday morning about the project report, you say, oh, sorry, didn't go through, here it is. And how many times do we use that excuse for things that we just didn't do? So nobody's gonna take any notice if you just do that once. And that's the other thing about the risk. The risk is tiny. You're not gonna get fired for not doing a report or not sending it. It's, you know, it's just one of those things happens all the time so people blow up i blow up the 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 risk in our minds and thinking oh gosh if i didn't do that my boss would be mad at me i'd be fired like 99.9 percent of the time you're not going to pick those things and the risk is a lot smaller than you think it is yeah and you won't know what the risk is until you choose a few things now wendy's giving you a very analytical way of looking at it, let me suggest something slightly different, which is when you're doing your analysis. Remember, our next step here is going to be reviewing your list with your boss. Um, so there's going to be some protection there. Now your boss may say, no, you've got to do all that. And so there's a plus and minus there. But there's another way of thinking about this. You want to be careful that you don't just choose the things you don't like doing. Mm -hmm. Try to have the best organizational hat on you can to say to yourself, what are the things that I believe are most important for the organization? And by the way, that doesn't mean the person who yells the most. They're not the organization, okay? You're smart enough to figure out this is important or that is important or whatever. Um, another thing about reports, if you've never gotten anyone saying thank you or commenting or asking a question about a report you do, I'm really sorry if you've been doing that report for three years and it's important to you, but if nobody ever comments and it just goes in the ether, nobody's reading it. <laughs> if nobody's ever pointed out a mistake, because there's no way you've done it for three years and never made a mistake. Yeah. Or nobody's ever said thank you. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, and look, you may be tied to that report. It may seem important, uh, but the evidence you have is that it is not. Another thing, look. I hate to tell you this, guys, but 30% of what you do, 30% of what I do, according to standard organizational efficiency reporting, is wasted. It's waste. It's either inefficiency or misdirected energy that, that essentially you believe is effective but in fact has no, no benefit. Another way to think about it, if you're worried about the impact on you, remember that your labor is a cost. And as Drucker tells us, you do not control costs, you cut costs. So cutting labor out of your work is a cost-cutting situation. Now, the company doesn't save that money because they're still going to pay you for those hours, 
but you can you can then direct those hours to something that's more effective that delivers more value if you're doing something that is of low value and you exchange that for something that's high value that's cost cutting because you're delivering more value that's what it is if that helps you think about the work that you do and in my mind i love getting rid of stuff um and narrowing my focus guys i'm not saying that your job is like mine my job is very different from most of yours but fundamentally the analysis of things i do and the analysis of things i don't do is exactly the same as everybody else's and when wendy used to be my admin i used to say to her a couple of weeks after i'd asked for something hey where is that? And she'd say, I delegated to the floor. And the floor's not doing its job very well. Yeah, we don't pay the floor enough for him to do what he's supposed to be doing. And I realized, okay, if I trust Wendy, um, then I have to believe that she's making good choices. Now, I might disagree, and I might say, hey, pick that back up. Um, but trust your boss a little bit, too. Now, if you don't work for a trustworthy boss, don't follow that guidance. But if you have a good relationship with your boss, be ready to say, hey, I've been looking at this, and I just signed I don't think we need to do that. And there are people who want to get promoted to manager who are never willing to do that. And that's one of the reasons why their manager says, I don't think this person's ready. They don't come to me with creativity. They don't come to me with new ideas. And I'll tell you something that really frustrates managers, guys, is when you say, as an individual contributor, you say, I'd really like to work on that. I'd really like to work on that. And when your boss asks you to do more, that's not the stuff you want. You say, oh, I'm swamped. And I got to tell you, if you want to work on that thing that you want to work on, figure out how. And look at your job, do the analysis, figure out what substitutions can be made. Consider risking temporarily suspending it to see what sort of response the organization gives you. And then make time for that thing. And then go to your boss and say, hey, I made time for this. Here it is. But don't sit around and complain that you've got too much to do and you don't have time to get something else done and then expect the organization to reward you for being efficient or effective with your time because you're proving that you're not. That's it, folks. Hope you enjoyed that. More next week in part two. See you then.